We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail, along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, And on our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, Jeff Duncan, lead columnist for the Times, com, author of Peyton and Breeze, The Men Who Built the Greatest Offense in NFL History. I think you can go to any bookstore. They got it there today or on Amazon.com. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Jeff, I think all of us were caught a little bit by surprise with this, that the uh, the Saints were going to retain Pete Carmichael. We thought that that would be a change there uh, at that spot. They have had 10 offensive coordinators sort of go down. And, and you know, listen, there's always transition when you go from what you had with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame NFL head coach. And But man, this team had no identity on offense, Jeff, none. And they couldn't run the ball well. Again, and the turnovers were killers, but the inability to run the ball and the lack of identity, uh, I thought would would be the end for Pete Carmichael here. Yeah, Mike, I think it was a little bit surprising, uh, but you know, I think we all know the Saints' track record and and their uh, value of continuity and stability. I mean, they've always uh, wanted to try and. Uh, not have as much turnover as other organizations. They they value that stability. And um, in this case, I know that they believe in Pete Carmichael. I think they wanted to show their support of him. Uh, but I do agree with you. Whether Pete Carmichael was going to come back or not, this offense not only needs to find an identity, but I think more importantly, Dennis Allen as the head coach needs to identify what his true offensive philosophy is going to be, what direction they want to go there, because it felt to me like the defense was perfectly intact, but the offense, they tried to keep maintaining the Sean Payton kind of Drew Brees offensive system, and that's not the kind of head coach Dennis Allen's going to be. I mean, they're going to run the ball, lean on – they're going to be more like Bobby and the old Jim Mora offenses, not the Sean Payton Drew Brees. So I think that's the first step. Identify what you want to be and then go forward. Now, uh, Jeff, with that being said, uh, what is your take on this? Because I know, uh, if I can recall a preseason game, he was able to call plays. And that Pete Carmichael would definitely be involved with the game plan and all. But almost kind of like, um, boy, when you, when you look at uh, what happened with LSU, when they won the championship, when they had uh, Joe Brady and had Ensminger. Okay, and you, know, you get all our minds together. Ultimately, someone has to call the play. But what about uh, Ronald Curry, the passing game coordinator, coordinator, quarterbacks coach, that uh, Pete would be like his right-hand man instead of being the coordinator and just trying to go from there with the offense? Well, it wouldn't surprise me, Bobby, if someone else were calling plays next year. That's something I think they could change. And it could be Ronald Curry. It could be someone else they bring in from outside. Uh, We know there's an opening now on the offensive staff for the running game coordinator. So I think that's to be determined, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and I'm not sure that Pete wouldn't welcome that, to be honest with you. I mean, there was some hesitation right. from Pete last year before he took this job. And, and the Saints went out and, you know, identified and interviewed a bunch of 
offensive coordinators, didn't really like anybody, and Pete almost took it by default. And I wouldn't be surprised if he took a step back in that area. Jeff, one of the things, and I keep bringing this up about the running game, and that has – you need a quarterback. you got to figure out what you're going to do there. Uh, but, you know, if, if I'm Dennis Allen, my thing is, okay, a rookie quarterback, i, I, I got to get a bridge guy because not many of those guys can step into this spot. Could you go out and get a veteran quarterback? Could be the case. But until you figure out that I think if you want to be a power running team, you got to get your power running back – and you got to be able to run the football effectively. This team couldn't run it when they needed to and they had to. And I look at the Cowboys. They're such a better football team when they have Pollard and Zeke running the ball. San Francisco always could run the football really, really well. Kansas City is so dangerous because they can run the football. Even Cincinnati with Joe Mixon. Uh, they're a totally different football team because they can run the football. And I think that's one thing with the Saints – um, trying to run this Peyton Breeze offense without Peyton and Breeze ain't going to work. But if you want to run the ball, you got to find people that can get that done in a manner better than what we saw this year. Mike, I couldn't agree more, and I think they will. I think that'll be a, a top priority. I mean, the fact they moved on from Dan Rouser uh, tells you a lot about where maybe the direction they're going. And I look, I think if they can get the young rookie Trevor Penning back, you know this as well as anybody, Mike. That guy can. Grade the road. He sure can. Tackle. Right. So you can get him back healthy. Uh, you upgrade there in your run blocking over James Hurst, who is a much better pass blocker than run blocker. And then you have to decide what you're doing at left guard. Do you bring back Andres Pete? I think he is a cap casualty. I target. agree. So I, I kick Hurst inside, right? Guard. I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you kick Hurst inside? Oh, what I do is, Pete, he's stealing money. I mean, I, <laughs> look, I think he likes football. He doesn't lo- love it. I mean, he got about $40 million guaranteed. He's been hurt too much to me. Uh, look, uh, Sean Payton, uh, Jeff, you remember they were willing to send him to the Cardinals when Patrick Peterson, that trade, that was a few years ago. Even the Cardinals didn't want him. I mean, to me, I, I don't know. Uh, he, 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 I want a guy that's more available. Uh, but with that being said, and, now, and a better yeah. second team offensive line, you can say, "Oh, we got our starters." Uh, I, I did this. Coach O asked me three years ago, uh, "At boy, uh, do me a deal on on who gets hurt more than any any other position? Offensive line, tackles, guards, centers. One, two, three across the board, and it wasn't even close." So my thing is. It's not only about building your first team units because those guys are going to go down for uh, for periods of time. You also got to build your second team, and I think you got to place more emphasis uh, of that unit in the off season with Mickey and and whoever's going to get involved with this with Dennis Allen, Parrington, uh, you know Jeff Ireland. You got to rebuild that offensive line, and not only from top unit but the second team. Yeah, Mike, great point. Look around the league. Look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, the injuries they had on the line. Byron Westwich now looking for a job. Joe Lombardi in L.A., they had an epidemic of injuries on their offensive line. You can't do anything in the NFL without a deep, talented offensive line. It, to me, it, it's the trunk of, like the trunk of your body. Nothing else works if your offensive line isn't working. They've got to improve there. That's where they were so strong during that run from 2017 to 20, uh, they dominated in the trenches and they dropped off there. And I expect them to identify that area 
is an upgrade this offseason. Well, uh, Jeff, you and Mike might not agree with this. Uh, I don't think Andy Dalton's the problem. I'm not saying you're winning anything with Andy Dalton. As far as you ultimately want to win the championship, that's what it's all about. But I think most NFL franchises, they always want to be relevant uh, to throw a bone to their fan base. Well, at least we're in the hunt, we're in the postseason. I'm telling you, Andy, don't play well enough to us to be 10-7 and 7 instead of 7-10. and 10. Well, What if we don't uh, freaking turn over the ball so much? Uh, you look at the giveaways, what, 20-plus, 25, whatever it might be. I'm telling you, just look at a number of games what occurred, and Andy Dalton was not the reason why all of a sudden we 7-10. and 10. Now, okay, you might say, well, what are you talking about? We're going to go with Andy Dalton? Now, I'm not saying Andy Dalton, to me, is that bridge guy. The reason why I bring up Andy Dalton, and you look at a guy like uh, Pat Mahomes, right? Okay, look at Pat Mahomes and all what he's accomplished in the NFL. Remember Alex Smith? Pat Mahomes didn't start off that first year. They had Alex Smith, and all of a sudden he passes the torch to Patrick Mahomes. Okay, well, what about you think Derek Carr? Look what you got to pay him. Just look at who's available in the market. Now, we want to win now, but if you can look in the crystal ball going into the future, what's wrong with Andy Dalton passing the torch to that future quarterback, whoever it might be? I think that's probably the direction they go. I know they like Andy Dalton a lot. I think you have to identify, though, a long-term solution there, and whether that's through the draft right. or another young quarterback. I, I do think uh, Andy Dalton will come back in some capacity. Now, he's not going to come back for $3 million, guys. I mean, that's <laughs> right, right, right. Last yeah. year. But I'll say this. This is the one thing I'd say about Andy Dalton, and, and this is where I disagree with you to some degree, uh, uh, you know, that when they get in against elite competition, uh, he got exposed, and, and he's not quite good enough. He, he's I good agree. enough to win this game. But here's the thing, Bobby, and I think you would know this as well as anybody, and, and, and Mike as well. When they teams don't fear the Saints passing game with Andy Dalton, that's why they can that's why they can load up against the run. They can load up against Alvin Kamara. If you have a better threat at quarterback, suddenly that running game is going to get a little bit better because your passing game is better. I don't think people worried that much about getting beat. Now later in the season, when Shahid came on, they were able to to burn some teams with with the deep ball, but. I think a better quarterback makes the running game go okay. a little bit better because teams aren't scared. The, the only thing is I hate, though, uh, Jeff, when they say, oh, look, Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes against the Cardinals. What? Did you see Callaway hit him right for first down? Does that count? I think he should have errors in the NFL, uh, like baseball. Does that count against Andy Dalton? When he throws a perfect ball in the but slant, you can move the thing, Bobby. Yeah. Here's my biggest criticism of Andy Dalton. When the Saints needed it, no, no, he, he needed, he's, no, he's, he's, he's not on that deliver. level. Yeah, he didn't deliver it, you know, late against the Bucks. They needed to put I agree. that game away. They needed to put the Bengals game away. They needed to oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on, Jeff. You talk about the Bucks game, how if Taysom Hill makes a tough catch. You couldn't throw a birdie a ball. That's as good as any NFL quarterback. Be honest. Oh, now Taysom know, Hill made the big catch, huh? Dennis Allen also said that third and one that he threw to Marquez Callaway was Andy Dalton. Making that read, the ball was supposed to go in the flat. Flat, right? Pullback. He made a, he made an, a a call on his own 
and threw a slant pattern. And, and well, and the moral that the moral that story I ain't trusting Callaway going forward. <laughs> and he got the freaking go. Well, I'm like, what? Well, he got the go. He, yeah, uh, I gave you chances. Regardless uh, of the other uh, outcome, uh, he's uh, not trusting. I, I, I'm it. saying Callaway, man, I wouldn't throw him another ball. He got to go play on some other team. But but Jeff, now I see a trend there though, buddy. Yeah. Of, of, him not being able to finish those games. I agree. They, they yeah. need him to put the game away. That's He's true. just not quite no. good enough. No, the only thing, Jeff, is what I say is that there's 32 teams. And how Andy Dalton played this year, it's just you can look at it. He wasn't in the bottom of 16. He was in the top 16. Doesn't mean you're going to win anything. So I just think a bridge guy that Andy Dalton played way better than I thought he would play. Put it to you that way. That's what I'm saying. Now, well, Jeff, wait a second. Uh, now, I got to give you credit, Bobby. In training camp, you were the one that said Andy Dalton was outplaying yes. Jameis Winston. Yes. He said it every day. Uh, I, I was like, yeah. uh, uh, okay, I don't know who's the backup, who's the starter. I just came and I'm watching this. If you watch, uh, they grade all the practices. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't beat out Andy Dalton. I mean, if, you, if you're truly honest. I mean, uh, now, and, and Andy Dalton was coolest. He never said, I'm going to be the guy and all that. Ultimate team player and all what occurred, but Jeff, enough of that. I, I want to ask you about Sean Payton and uh, and the Saints. Uh, <laughs> enough for my next trip. Uh, yeah, because to me, I thought you did an unbelievable job. You, you got to go. Uh, the Times Picayune and Advocate read Jeff Duncan's article. It's like Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, their relationship, and what's going to occur. Jeff, the question I have for you, because uh, I think uh, the Who That Nation will look at Mickey Loomis. Hell. Uh, we love Sean Payton and what he did for us. But, Mickey, you representing us. We got to get something in return where we don't think we're being taken to the cleaners. Now, the question I have for you, if you look at the market for a franchise quarterback was established this past offseason, like you wrote, you look at a blockbuster deal, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Now, this is what caught my attention. And now you look at Sean Payton. Uh, obviously, when he said it's not about the money, he's full of crap. I mean, uh, it's always about the money. Now, you might want that relationship with the ownership and all that, but look, he wants to be one of the highest-paid coaches in the NFL. You look at the market, a four-year deal, that pay him between 20 and $25 million. But this is what caught my attention with Mickey Loomis and Sean. Mickey Loomis's stance, and I agree with this, is if a team is willing to pay Peyton a deal worth Roughly half of that of a franchise quarterback, which I talk about uh, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, then the draft pick compensation should be of uh, uh, equivalent value. I think that's right on. You can look two decades ago with John Gruden. Now you might say, well, that's different. But I'm telling you, Mickey, okay, uh, Sean, I love you. We buddy buddies. We hang out. We go party, uh, whatever. Uh, but uh, we got to get the right compensation for you, how I view you as a coach. Compare it to like a franchise quarterback. Break that down. Yeah, look, Bobby, I think you're right. I mean, it, we all know Mickey Loomis. The one thing I know about him, he is a tough, shrewd negotiator. I mean, this is a guy that in his off time plays a lot of poker, and I've talked to people that played with him. You don't want to go opposite Mickey Loomis on the poker table. I mean, this guy knows how to bluff. He knows how to call. And, and this is right in his wheelhouse, this kind of negotiation uh, and he holds the cards here, guys. I mean, he, he has the leverage. Sean's on the contract. Exactly. If he doesn't like what he hears, he can say no to that deal. Now, you lose a little leverage there because you don't get anything. Uh, you run right. the risk of not getting anything for, for Sean Payton this year. 
But I know Mickey, and I, I think, look, I don't think in the end he's going to end up getting two first-round drafts. I don't think he is. I think he's posturing there to get the best deal he can get. I think if the Saints can get a first-round pick this year, maybe a couple of mid-round, maybe a high mid-round pick, I think he'll make that deal and move on. Uh, but I think he's right now playing a little bit of a, a, a game of chicken. And, and that's Sean what Dave. I would do. Yeah. Listen, I would ask for more than I think I'll really get. Um, I'll never forget this, Jeff. Um, I was talking to Amy Trask about this, and at that time, she was sort of the lawyer for Al Davis. I think she was vice president uh, of the team. And she was telling me that Al had told her after the fact, because she didn't know it before, in the Gruden deal, that every time uh, the Glazers would ask about Gruden, you know, I was, well, I'm not interested, and they'd up the ante, and up the ante, and up the ante, and ended up being two firsts and two seconds. But she said, Mike, you know what turned the key over on the engine? Eight million bucks. She said, I was more thrilled about that than any of the four draft choices. Uh, so, uh, I mean, in today's world, you say $8 million, but back then, uh, that that was a different deal well, for well, Allen. Well, 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 he was thirty-two uh, on the thirty-two owner list. Well, well, that's financially. How, that's how Al Davis made his money was the Raiders. Yeah, exactly. He didn't I mean, have an, another he's issue. A coach, the general manager, he was everything. Uh, over that team. But Jeff, don't you think well, on defense, uh, defensive line, and maybe we haven't talked enough about it. That's an area this off season that we got to keep a close eye on because of contracts pending uh, with certain people. There, not only with Davenport or what you're going to do with Carl Grandison, uh, David Onyemata, kind of the middle of your offense, uh, defensive tackles, every one of them, uh, the contract's open. That's going to be something to watch here because you sort of know what your secondary and your linebacking core is going to be. But defensive line, especially inside and your kind of reserve people, that that's an that's a super important piece of the puzzle for this team. Just like we talked about offensive line, Mike. I, I think it's probably the number one area uh, of emphasis this offseason, no doubt. Now, look, I think they part of the reason they restructured the Mike Thomas deal was to give them some cap flexibility to try and address guys like Carl Granderson and Caden Ellis before they get to free agency. Try and get those guys locked up. Right. Uh, Carl Granderson out, simply outplayed. Marcus Davenport yeah. <laughs> this year. I mean, he yeah, he was their best defensive end by the end of the year. Uh, that's a guy you want back in the building. Uh, Marcus Davenport, I think, is going to have a market. Uh, I think, hey, if, if Ryan Nielsen goes to Atlanta with Terry Fontenot, you that's think they're not going to make a play? Yep. Yeah, for Marcus Davenport. So, you know, and then I think defensive tackle, whether they bring back Onyemata or not, they've got to get better there. That's the one area on the defense that I felt really dropped off. And, and you're right, Shy Tuttle's unrestricted. Uh, they've got some issues there. Who they're going to bring back? And Contavious cap limitations. And yes, and Contavious Street also. Now, no uh, doubt about yeah. It. Now, uh, Jeff, I'm going to go back to because I'm on that Mickey Sean thing. Uh, <laughs> so when I look at this, and I think this is right on uh, because I'm representing the Houdat Nation. So uh, look, I hope Sean uh, does well. I mean, uh, but I'm worried about the Saints in the future. So I think when Mickey said this is right on. So I absolutely want the best for him, that being Sean Payton, but also recognize that his contract is a valuable asset to our club, and it's our duty uh, to maximize that. So when I look at that, yeah, a lot of the Saints fans, they're going to see whether their perception, whether right or wrong, whether Mickey Loomis won this or not. Now if it's a 50-50 deal, they don't want it to, the vision 
or the outcome to be like Mickey got taken to the cleaners, whatever team, whether it's the Broncos, Texans, uh, Panthers, whoever it might be. But the question I have for you, now you look at the meetings. Uh, you probably get some inside scoop. I never get that. Uh, but, like, uh, the, 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 the meeting uh, with the Houston Texans on Monday, a Zoom call. Boy, this thing like this went well, what you wrote. The visit with the Broncos in Los Angeles on Tuesday, uh, it seems like that that went really well. And then today, it's probably, it might be going on right now. I think they might be finished. They're probably going out to dinner. He was scheduled to meet with Carolina Panther owner David Tepper in New York uh, today. So any scoop on all of that, uh, I just don't see, uh, uh, I don't know, Sean going back to Fox. I think he will coach next year. What did you take on those teams and what you think is going to come so about? So basically, Jeff, Denver looks to be the top spot right now. Like he, he yeah, likes Mr. Denver, Walton. I think Denver and Carolina. I think you got two of the richest owners in the league, David uh, David Tepper and Rob Walton, they can open up the purse strings for Sean Payton. And here's the other thing, guys. Denver wants to make a splash. They've failed with a bunch of assistant coach hires. They want a proven commodity at head coach. Sean Payton is by far the leading candidate there. And then Carolina, they're looking to build a stadium here in the near future. We talked a new about that. Facility. Yep. They want a splash. That's the way David Tepper thinks. I right. think, and here's the deal, that, that interview is actually going to go on tomorrow. Sean's okay. in New York tonight. He's going to do the formal interview tomorrow. I think when he gets in front of David Tepper, I think Tepper, knowing how he's wired, is going to, I think he's, they're going to fall in love with each other, a little speed dating, and I think they're going to try and make a move, and they're going to have to pay through the nose, though. Yep. Mickey Loomis is not going to let him walk to a division rival without major compensation. And, guys, I don't know about how you feel about this. To me, it's a lose-lose, right? If Sean Payton goes there, I think his legacy would be somewhat tarnished with some Saints fans. Yes, he went for to sure. <laughs> and then more than that, what about Mickey? Does he <laughs> does he run the risk of letting Sean go to a rival? And then what if Sean Payton starts beating the Saints twice a year and winning the division every year? Well, Sean, uh, Mickey's legacy, I think, is going to be in trouble. Well, but uh, you know what? Don't the Carolina Panthers have the number nine overall pick this year? Yes, they do. Yes. Okay, well, if they but go, I want more if, than if that. They're going within the division. Oh. I, I want the number nine this year. Oh, I want yeah. the number one next year. If they go into Carolina, I mean, uh, so what? You gotta, you gotta be aggressive. I mean, we don't want him in the division. You gotta play him twice a year. Now, the one thing, uh, Jeff, is we gotta let you run the Texans. I always tell, look at their 12th pick, and uh, look, the draft capital, the salary cap room, and then it'd be, you know, a great challenge to rebuild the Texans where they're at. So you think that they're out of the mix or what? No, I don't think so. I just don't know if they have the deep pockets to compete with Sean you. Payton. More about the money, but look, that's a wide-open playing field, and you're in an easily winnable division. That's true. Thank you, Jeff. Man, we appreciate it. And, again, your book, you can pick it up, uh, all the uh, the bookstores locally and also on Amazon.com. You did a great job with it. Hey, hey, hey Jeff, I, I want to have you on all the time. And uh, <laughs> you just got to answer the phone and you come on because I, 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 I sometimes the uh, question is longer than the answer. No, but I think Jeff's the best. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I, I know I know what I know, but I know Jeff knows what he knows. Thank you, Jeff. We yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Jeff. That was Jeff Duncan, lead columnist for the Times Picayune, com. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.